0: Today, on It's Time. Now, there are certain things that are matters of conscience. This is why we have the Word of God to help us in these areas. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time.
1: It's time. time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler,
0: guard, centurion kind of guy. So not only was he a Gentile, but he was an enforcer of the Gentiles. That was like the worst of the worst. But he loved God. And so while he was praying, God gave Cornelius this vision. And the reason why Cornelius is important for us as Christians tonight is you might say Cornelius was actually the very first Gentile, unless you're Jewish here and from a Jewish background, he was the very first one of us that went in. So Cornelius, we have a, a great, uh, you might say... um, Warmth in our heart for this guy. Because it was by his faith that cracked the door open for all of us to come. Well, we remember Peter starts preaching. And he's sharing about Jesus. And everything. Like that. And right in the middle of his sermon, they all started praying in tongues, just like it happened back in Acts chapter 2. That's what Peter's talking about here. Seeing that God gave them, the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit, just like he gave us, going back to Acts chapter 2. What could you say about that? And by the way, it was right in the middle of his sermon. God interrupted Peter's sermon. Anyway, that's another whole topic. But, but right in the middle of his sermon, they start praying in tongues. Now, I can just see you say, "Well, how could that be? Because how could they be filled with the Spirit, and we don't even know if they were Christians yet?" I believe this is probably what was happening. Peter's preaching along, and they're going, "Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not yet. Oh, hey Whatever they were saying, Amen. Yeah, that's true. I believe that. Right? All of a sudden, God, whammo, filled them with the Spirit. Peter couldn't deny it. In fact, Peter recognized it and knew what it was because he saw it back in Acts chapter two. So now he's relating this story, and he says that they gave, that God gave them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us, verse nine, and He made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. By faith, not by works, not by keeping the law, not by anything else. You see, they were, you might say, filled with the Spirit, not knowing anything about the Mosaic law, and God filled the Gentiles that really didn't even know that much about God. It was just Peter coming over and telling them about God. They get filled with the Spirit. Peter's making the argument, If God filled them with the Holy Spirit, just like he did us, and they didn't know anything about Moses, then how important is Moses, or is it really about faith here? So he says, Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? He's saying, we couldn't keep the law. Why are you trying to make the Gentiles keep the law? The law, friends, again, was to show us how much we needed to be saved. It was never meant to justify a man. It was meant to show us how much we needed a savior. When you look at the Olson nature of man, and you look at the Ten Commandments, the greatest statement of understanding God and humankind ever written You always have these books if you go to college on psychology. And psychology, ology is the study of anything. So psyche, ology, psychology, study of the mind, study of behavior, these things. Well, the Ten Commandments is psychology from God's standpoint. See, the problem with psychology, modern-day 21st century psychology from Jung, Freud, and all these other goofballs, is that studying fallen man from fallen man's perspective, and then trying to determine from fallen man's perspective of fallen man what's normal. Well, if everybody is doing something, then it must be normal. No, it could be, as the Bible says, part of the fault of man in an old sin nature. So, the Ten Commandments show us what's wrong with us as people. Now, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Well, yeah, that's talking about um, cussing, I believe. Who hasn't done that? What's really amazing is uh, um, some languages don't even have cuss words in their language. And so they have to go into English to get... So you'll hear a bunch of foreign talk and all of a sudden you hear, hear some English profanity. And you go, what's that? Well, it's because they don't have cuss words. And you'll hear, and also take the name of the Lord in vain, I believe, is swearing by God, but you don't plan on keeping that oath that you make towards him. The Bible says, thou shalt not lie. Well, I don't know why lie here and there. Lie is a lie. Thou shalt not murder. Hmm. Uh, New King James and some of the others say "Thou shalt not kill," but the actual word is "Thou shalt not murder." Premeditated hatred to off somebody—you know—they get their mad on and then they go out after the guy or whatever. You know, they're going to get him. How many people do you got to kill to be a murderer? one. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One. how many times do you have to cuss? to use the name of the Lord in vain. How many times do you have to use God's name in vain to be and violate that? Once. We're not doing good here, are we? (laughs) And and by the way, that's one of the great ways to lead somebody into Christ. Because again, when you realize your need for God, you go, wow, that's pretty good. It's like somebody gives you, you you know, you got a full beard and they give you aftershave. Are you trying to tell me something here? I don't have any need for aftershave. I have a beard. Okay. You know. um, The only way you really realize how valuable Jesus is, is until you realize your need. The Ten Commandments show us where we violate the law and why we need an advocate with the Father Christ Jesus. So, understanding that, it says that we believe, verse 10... That through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. He's saying the Holy Spirit came upon them. They didn't know any of the Mosaic law, and God filled them with the Spirit. I was there. I saw it firsthand. This was Peter talking here. That's why it was really important, because he's the one that saw it. It wasn't secondhand information. He was the one giving the sermon when the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, and they all began, and this is the first time that had ever happened. And there was those and that group of Jewish Pharisees as well as others that were in that prejudice that say, well, the Gentiles are so pagan and so filthy that we have nothing to do with them. Again, this goes back. We've been over some of this before, but for some of you that maybe have not been here, so you'll understand. Jesus was at a well one day. And he comes and he looks at this woman and he said, give me a drink. And she says... How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water? We we don't communicate one with another. We don't have nothing to do with one another as peoples. You see, the prejudice was so strong between that. So the idea then in the Christian Jewish mindset was they must come into Judaism so then they can become a Christian. Understanding the way they were thinking and Peter says, no, 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 dial direct and save. You see, you don't have to go through the Mosaic law to understand your need for God. Because the Holy Spirit fell on, on them the same way. Verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent. Whoa, you know, Peter's talking, to whoa, maybe we better not say anything here. And listen to Barnabas and Paul declaring the many miracles and wonders of God had worked through them amongst the Gentiles, Which is that which speaks of the power of God. Okay? So that was undeniable power. The miracles, they all knew what the miracles were because they'd watched Jesus do miracles. Peter himself had done miracles. We know that they had been recipients of miracles. We remember when Peter was in prison, the angel came and tapped him, woke him up, and he walked right out of jail. He was to be executed the very next day. And so then verse thirteen or 14, it says, And after... They had become silent. James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Now, this is not the James that we find that already died uh, back earlier in Acts, but this is the half brother of Jesus and the brother of Jude, the one that wrote the book of Jude. And most people believe that he was the, you might say, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. So this guy had a lot of authority, had a lot of clout, and also being the half-brother of Jesus, uh, helped as well. So, he says, Simon, speaking of Peter, has declared how God, at the first, visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Now, it's talking about when he was at Cornelius' house and the Holy Spirit came down and they were amazed saying, wow, God's taking a group of Gentiles now into our fold. And which this is the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle which has fallen down and I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. So as you look at this, out of the Old Testament, the book of Amos, God is saying he's going to bring the Gentiles into the fold. It's it's really important. Verse 18. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge. Now, this word, I judge. The word judge here, he's saying, I have determined. This word is a very strong word in the original language, which means, with all the authority that I have, this is what it is. That we should not trouble those among the Gentiles who are turning to God. (laughs) I like the word here, we should not trouble those. (laughs) Think about that for a minute. In other words, we couldn't keep the law and the prophets. And so we're not going to trouble them with this. It, it, it is trouble. Uh, that's why one place, as we'll read here, speaks about if eat don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, and another place it says it's okay, it, it's because it determines what your conscience is on that. When you realize an idol is a dumb chunk of wood carved by a man, maybe overlaid with gold, few incense sticks burning around it and you realize it's a piece of wood and they go oh we're burning our our meat to this to this god he's if you're with somebody that goes oh we shouldn't eat that because that's been sacrificed to that idol and we don't want to eat that he says don't eat meat but on the other hand if you recognize that's just a dumb chunk of wood hey give me that I'll eat it <laughs> ain't no big deal because it isn't anything well he says, "Known from God from eternity, all of His works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from th- from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses had had. Excuse me. For Moses has had." Throughout many generations, those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and the elders and the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. Now, going back to this. It says, this is what we want you to do. Abstain from things polluted by idols. Now, this gets back to the don't eat things that were sacrificed to idols. That was part of the things that they would do. They'd stick little incense sticks in the meat and burn it. And they go, oh, you know, this is really good stuff. And, you know, worship their God that way. And then they'd take it and put it in the marketplace and people would buy it and eat it. He goes, don't do that. Now, he tells us why here. Let's look at this up close. He goes, For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city. Okay. Now, you might say the pump was primed against these things. Now, there are certain things that we know are matters of conscience. This is why we have the Word of God to help us in these areas. There are some things that are absolute. Now, let's look at that. What are those things that are absolute? Well... From sexual immorality, this is fornication—sex outside of marriage—is what it's talking about here. Uh, it can also be uh, marrying people that you shouldn't be marrying. It can also be marrying close relatives, things like that. Just says, just stay away from that. Don't don't go that direction. From things strangled. Now this gets back to kosher foods. Y- you see what they would do is they would strap an animal by its hind legs. They would cut its throat. The blood would run out. When all the blood was run out, um, this is part of being kosher. Now, when things were strangled, they died with the blood in them. And so therefore, and many people believe this is where this was all going, life is in the blood. And so therefore, with that life, that blood still in that animal... It's because of its high protein and nutrient contents, it spoiled the fastest, thereby polluting the meat. And so it was one of the dietary laws that Moses commanded the people not to eat what we might say non-kosher foods. Now, the reason why was because it was spread throughout all the known area, the laws of Moses. So here's the thing. For the sake of, of um, continuity, in other words, Here's Christ, the fulfillment of the law. And because Moses had already laid down a lot of these laws that were there, kosher foods and these different things, follow along in that because it will be the best for the promotion of the kingdom of heaven. Now, as we get farther up, we're going to see this moderate a little bit as the church became stronger because you might say the Gentile church became stronger where Paul then says, if eating meat offends somebody, don't eat meat. This is essentially what this is about, what we're reading. But if it doesn't offend you, if you realize it's just a chunk of wood, not a problem. Now, that is outside the body. Now, when it comes to immorality, of course... Those are the only sins that you sin with yourself. Every other sin, the Bible says, is outside the body. But immorality is something that we do to ourselves. Now, you say, but I like it. Well, you probably do. Um, But that doesn't mean necessarily it's good for your whole being. Your flesh might like it, but you don't know what damage it's doing to your mind. You don't know what damage it's doing to your spirit. You see, oftentimes we talk about that at communion time where we say that God, that that by his stripes we're healed and we hold the bread in our hand and the bread represents uh, God's healing for us. And we think about that and the bread for our healing isn't necessarily because we feel like we're coming down with a cold or we need to be uh, uh, prayed over because we have a fever. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's psychological. Sometimes it's our ability to love and to be loved because a lot of times people when they're involved in a relationship with somebody else they flash back to the person that maybe the first time they had a relationship with or some other thing and it ruins the relationship. And so thereby you cheat yourself and also because you can't fully give yourself to this other person because you're flashing man. So the problem is, these are why we find this. And so this is why the Bible, farther up we'll get into this, where when we get into this one particular sin, that did not moderate concerning the laws of Moses because it is a sin you do against yourself and it robs you and whoever you are with from a full experience because your heart has been divided up. The Bible says the two should become one flesh. And when there's not the, you might say, the bands of marriage to secure that, you've given your heart away to so many places and pieces and things. You're fragmented. You say, but Mike, that's, yeah, that describes me. The good news is, for this reason, Christ died. And the Bible says you can be healed. Now, This is a great promise that God gives us because the healing that God offers us is not just psychological, but it is in all ways our ability to love and to be loved. And sometimes people transpose the love of a person to God. Well, when I'm around this person, I feel all tingly, Well, anybody here that's married, you know that tinglys don't last forever. (laughs) They're good for a while, but they don't last. And a lot of times we become tingly junkies. Well, as long as I'm with you, I have tinglys. And then as you begin to really know the person, and it begins to set in, you go, Hey, ah, wow, you're weird. And so... (laughs) So then what happens is we begin to think, well, that's I'm not in love anymore. So we find somebody else to have tinglys around. And they're back. I'm 13 again. Yes! Listening to my Beatle record. You get the idea. Well, the problem is real love, though there is feelings in it, doesn't It it, it matures. And a lot of people are like that sometimes when they come to the Lord. The Lord blesses them. They become born again. And they're, oh, God. They're on the honeymoon. And then God in his grace begins to teach us who we are and who he is. He's the Lord. We're the servant. He's our daddy. We're his children. We're his servants. He's the king. And we begin to learn this relationship. The problem is, if all we've ever known is love is giving our heart away, looking for the tingly, it's going to affect the way we love. That's why, friends, we need to be healed. So here he talks about, because of Moses, and many of the things, and not everything that the Old Testament taught about is wrong. In fact, many of those things are very true. As we look at the Ten Commandments, there's nothing in the Ten Commandments, friend, that is wrong. That's the way we all should live. That should be our desire or our design that we that we do this. Now, you say, well, Mike, what about then about to the keep the Sabbath day holy? Well, that was between God and the nation of Israel. But we all know what, what that was all about. Jesus said, Sabbath was not made for God. That was one of the Ten Commandments that was made for you. That you would take a day off a week, whatever day that might be, And enjoy the blessings of God. So you don't just have life in your rearview mirror. It all goes by so fast. And you say, well, where did the years go? Where did the time go? I never had any fun. It's because you never stopped the old saying and smelt the flowers. Well, the Bible made a law that you would do that. Remember one day and keep it holy. Jesus went on to say that he was Lord of the Sabbaths. And then he explained what that Sabbath was all about. That it was made for you. See, God doesn't care what day you take off. But that you would take a day and thank him for the things that he's given you. Not always trying to get more, and more, and more, 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 better, heavier, more parts. But rather God would say, enjoy what I've given you. The second thing, it tells us as well. Six days thou shalt work on the seventh year rest. It also tells us that we can't be lazy. See, a lot of people don't want to work any day of the week. I'm taking them all off. (laughs) Well, that's a problem. Because that's not good for you. We must be about our Father's business. So, it tells us here. Moses had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogue every Sabbath. People knew basically what God... So, the idea was then... So, looking at this again. To abstain from things... Polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, things strangled, of course, the kosher thing, and from blood. Because many of the cults drank blood. In fact, many of the cults still do in the occult. They'll drink blood. This was forbidden because life was in the blood. And out of respect for Jesus' blood on the cross for us, we don't do that. Now, next week we'll get into the letter that they put together to help this church understand that it's not by the law of Moses that we're saved, but it's through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.